This is Hard Rock Saves the Space Standing, a retro science fiction podcast focused on multimedia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm your host, Dave, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2. We're continuing on with the works of Kawajiri Yoshiaki, and this episode will be focused on Wicked City, the film he directed in 1987. We'll also be taking a look at a... I suppose it's, a, it's not really a remake, it's just a, another version um, from the source material. This is also Wicked City, uh, directed by uh, Mak Tai Kit um, from Hong Kong. Uh, and both of these films are based on the 1985 novel by uh, Kikuchi Hideyuki. As all three works share the same name, uh, the original Japanese uh, reading would be Yoju Toshi, and the Cantonese is uh, Yaosho Dosher, all of which mean Supernatural Beast City, uh, translated as Wicked City or The Wicked City. Uh, and it has a, I don't know, it's a better ring to it in English. As for the novel, there were six of them, and the first of which was entitled Blackguard. Uh, this is primarily what both films were adapted from. Uh, unfortunately, I was unable to get uh, a hold of this first novel. Um, I might see about picking up a copy later, but it was it was fairly expensive. It's I don't think it's in print, uh, so just even one of the English language version copies ran about mm, thirty U.S. dollars, so uh, a little bit <laughs> beyond my budget for the. Uh, for the podcast that I've, at least I've set aside. Um, so, yeah, I might uh, look into picking that up at a, at a future date um, based on what I've seen for these first two films. This first time, I, I might be interested in reading it, but if it skews a little bit more toward uh, the, the Japanese version in particular... Um, I don't know. I think watching the films was probably about as enough as, as I wanted to experience of this particular universe. Um, it's it's a product of its time, and the uh, 1987 version is no less misogynistic than I'm imagining the 1985 version is. So we'll just, I guess, leave it at that and um, continue on with the films. Now, I, I was fairly impressed with um, Kawajiri's Cyber City uh, 0808 uh, that we took a look at in the previous episode, and so I was excited to uh, return to Wicked City. Um, unfortunately, it's been a few years since I first watched this. Uh, I think I was maybe in high school. Um, so... We're, we're talking 1998, 1999, uh, probably 98 now, when I, when I last saw this, um, which I guess is, a, it's appropriate for a few reasons, as we'll discover as we take a look at the, the film, and well, it's more pertinent to the um, Hong Kong live action, uh, rather than the animated film, but... I remember enjoying this more as a teenager. Um, the time has not been as kind to the, the 
subject matter um, in the film, or or I just got older and lost taste for mm, the violence and gratuitous activities um, in the film. I don't know. Uh, I had a better memory of this than the actual rewatching of it. In fact, I I sat through the whole thing. I didn't fast forward through much of it <laughs> a few moments I guess um, I don't know I or I guess I do know I was not impressed with uh, re-watching this film or revisiting it later this however was um, Kawajiri's directorial debut and at the time this is what basically got him able to be produced for uh, his later efforts and noticed and on technical merits alone, I mean, I, I think it's worth it. it um, its general aesthetic is it was well done, um, particularly at the time. Uh, things in this are also represented in um, Vampire Hunter D. He, um, Kojiri is, again, the animation director and um, or apparently he's one of the key animators and he screen wrote, wrote the screenplay for it, so the, the, the actual adaptation of um, Kikuchi's original novel, um, he, took, he took care of at least that. I don't know if it was by himself or um, as part of a uh, screenwriting team, but he helmed the project on the whole. And... I think design-wise, those sort of sensibilities, they they carry through, and as far as that's concerned, um, yeah, I, enj I enjoyed the aesthetics of it. It looks good. It aged well in that regard. Um, and there's another thing, as far, you know, this just came from 1987, so it's cell-animated. Um, cell it's... it's drawn by hand and I think because of that it benefits if this particular plot uh, what there is of it was done in a computer animated film um, I don't think it would have been as well received uh, on the whole it's the subject matter alone um, discounting the extra-dimensional um, demons uh, is not super compelling. Um, I guess we can we'll do a brief. I'm not going to go scene by scene in this film. It's not. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, we'll, we'll we'll be taking a, a much deeper dive into um, the Hong Kong film, which I. I Probably the one of the few times that I will say that I prefer the live action um, to the animated version of something. Uh, but that wasn't entirely the case um, one way or the other in, um, in regards to Zerum or the Eria series. I, I think I hold both the animated um, OVAs and the two live action films in roughly equal uh, regard. Um, there's a few points that I like 
or that I favor in one over the other. Um, but in this case, uh, without having read the source material, I think that the the live action film does take liberties with the plot. Um, it, it has to have it. It's it's folding in uh, more current events and things going on in China and Hong Kong versus what. Um, the animated Japanese film or movie is doing, and it's stronger in some points because of that, because it's making itself um, at the time uh, relevant to contemporary issues, or at least um, slightly future issues. We don't really have that depth uh, within the Japanese animated version. And I think that's because maybe it's too hewing too faithfully to the source material. Um, that's a I'm hazarding a guess um, at, at that because I, you know, like I said, as I mentioned, I was not in, uh, I'm not able to read the book. Mm. Still, uh, it I, I can't even recommend this to people. It's it's not it's not great. Um, it has moments. It has moments and it has a couple cool factors that I think that translate fairly, or, or rather that are faithfully translated um, uh, into the live action version, um, which actually was, was produced by uh, Chihak, um, who's done Warriors of Zoo and um, most, most recently the Detective D films, um, quite a few. Lucia and martial arts films. I'm, I'm more particular to those. I, I like it about as much as I like science fiction. Um, so I'm familiar with um, director uh, Chihak's filmography um, more so than I am with uh, Maktai Kit, who, who did in fact direct the Wicked City um, live action film. Uh, so we'll circle, we'll circle back around to that a little bit later. Mm. The, the animated film, uh, the basic plot uh, revolves around the demon world uh, and the human world. They're, they're not at an overt war with each other. They're sort of trying to coexist, but um, there's bad apples um, in the bunch on either side. And... Uh, there's a special task force uh, called the Black Guard, uh, which lends, of course, the, the name to the novel. Um, and in on, on the uh, Earth side of things, our, our main character is uh, Taki Renzaburo. And he is a... individual that performs, I guess, two jobs. So every, everybody in this Blackguard um, organization, at least uh, in the, oh no, in, on, on both sides. So both the demonic um, counterparts and the, and the human uh, members of the organization all hold dual jobs. So, so while they perform their duties as Blackguard, uh, they also just have, well, they have day jobs. Um, 
I guess quite quite literally because it seems the only time they do their black guard duties is at night. Um, I don't. That's not specifically the case, but that's just how it kind of fold, uh, unfolds. So uh, Taki is a employee of uh, an electronics um, corporation. Uh, he sells, I guess, mm, high-end uh, electronics, and um, his boss, Vic Buck, luckily for him, I don't know, maybe that's unlucky, um, his boss in the uh, general company is also his boss in the Black Guard, so the logistics of that, I don't know how that really works and how much oversight they would be um, and how busy uh, his boss would be trying to um, control two different, completely different groups and make sure that both of them are, are, are effective. Uh, I think it's a handy plot device. Um, the realities of it would be difficult uh, at best. Um, so we have uh, Taki's first his introduction to the audience is um, as he is staking out a, a suspicious woman at a bar and he goes back to her t hotel and they have a, a liaison and it turns out that the woman is in fact a or she's been replaced by um, a double uh, or a, a, a demon from the, the black uh, and she is a like a, a terrorist. So, from what I gather of this story, there's supposed to be a summit, like a summit meeting between the black world and the human world. And it's like a, a, a peace summit to maybe renegotiate treaties uh, or to form a, maybe a, a stronger version of what already exists. Because there is a, a somewhat peaceful coexistence um, by and large, the public uh, on the human side uh, for sure doesn't, or I guess not doesn't, but they, they aren't made aware of the existence of the, the black world. They think it's just business as usual. Um, and that's because of these, uh, the black guard has kind of kept that way. Uh, it's an international organization uh, as far as I'm aware, and that's made a little bit more clear in the live action version than it is in the um, animated, animated film. Mm. So, there are members uh, on the side of the demons that do not agree with this peace treaty. They, they want to exert more control uh, over the human world. They want to control the, the demon world and uh, their, you know, deserved share of uh, the, the human world as well. Uh, and to that end, there's a, a radical group or a terrorist group that is um, intent on sabotaging these uh, peace proceedings. Um, so the, the woman that he ends up sleeping with uh, is a member of that terrorist organization, and her demonic appearance uh, is that of a sort of spider woman. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting. She's she's a femme fatale character. Um, uh, 
as she's portrayed and depicted. Um, so the the writing for it basically frames her in that. Um, and she's somewhat multidimensional. Um, she's a recurring character, so uh, she survives the, the liaison, even though um, Taki is intent on uh, killing her, I guess finding out why she's, she's doing what she's doing. Um, but what this all boils down to is he has been assigned to guard uh, Giuseppe Mayart, um, who is ostensibly a uh, ambassador on the human side, um, who is set to um, sign uh, or be one of the s signatures on this on this treaty that's being proposed, and because he's one of the signatures, uh, he's being targeted by the, the terrorist group. So if he's dealt with, the, the treaty will have a, a difficult time of being established. And to that end, they've assigned the uh, Taki on the human side of the Black Guard to guard Mayart. And on the um, demonic side, um, uh, Makie is assigned to be his partner, so she's a uh, demonic um, black guard. And uh, her, so she's, because she's a black guard, she has to have a day job too, and so she's a, a supermodel, of course, um, as are the design choices of <laughs> all the, the women in this particular uh, film. Well, I'll, I'll backtrack very um, quickly. The uh, the woman that Taki originally s sleeps with, not not the not his partner. Um, she is not assigned originally, or when she meets Taki, she's not there to um, get to the Mayart through him. Um, she's actually trying to, to obtain a sample of his um, DNA. Uh, for unknown purposes at this point of the film, because um, it's the opening, like, five minutes. Um, we'll get, we'll circle back around to that, that plot point um, shortly, because I'm just going to, I'm going to start blazing through this, um, mostly because it's, it, some parts of this movie are just, like, a little bit insufferable, so we'll just skip them. You can watch it at your leisure, I imagine. Um... Makie and Taki uh, successfully get um, Mayart to a um, it's a, a hotel run by the Black Guard. Um, it's out of the way and it's under a um, like a spiritual barrier that's supposed to keep out uh, evil demonic agents. I, I think it's a small question of like how can Makie. Um, exist within the protection barrier but it's sort of like brushed under the rug uh, at any rate the protective barrier does not work as advertised even though they've enhanced it by so many times uh, over the usual amount of power and an old acquaintance of hers shows up to kind of wreck shop and 
is attempting to assassinate uh, Mayart. The we didn't really talk about him, but uh, Giuseppe Mayart is a like sort of like a lecherous, tiny little man. Um, I guess I would, if I were to be reminded of any other particular um, animated character, I would say um, Hapasai from the uh, Ranma Nibonoichi series. Uh, he's just a like dirty old, dirty old man. Um, of course, there's more to him than meets the eye, as we find out as the film progresses. But uh, Mayard uh, uses the opportunity of both of his guards to be, um, or as they're occupied uh, fighting off the, the terrorist, he flees because he's just um, he's in town for the summit, but also just wants to go um, visit brothels and soaplands um, to just enjoy himself, I guess, because that's how he. That's how he do. Um, so, the the terrorists, the, the the attack is thwarted, and the two eventually track um, Mayart back down. Uh, there's an ensuing scuffle with a parasite that he got from visiting the soapland. Uh, so there's a. I guess it's it's an overt warning on unprotected sex in the soapland. Don't do that. You get a parasite. Um, and because of that, it, it saps his magical energy, and he has he has to be taken to a special uh, spiritual rehabilitation center. Of course, during the, the during the transit, uh, Makie is uh, kidnapped um, because that's how these things sort of go. And Taki and Mayart make their escape, uh, while Makie is uh, ends up inevitably being tortured. Um, yeah, it's not it's not great. It's not good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so in the end. Uh, against the pleadings of his higher-ups of the organization and the protest of Mayart, um, Taki goes to rescue Makie, who he feels more responsible for and I think more of a kinship with than the lecherous um, Mayart, who's, there's no positive to that old man's personality aside from him being uh, the one to um, set up this this treaty, uh, Taki I guess doesn't really care about the treaty one way or the other. Maybe because it means he'd be out of one of his jobs, uh, or were the peace to be more formally established. Um, I wonder if that's the end of the book. Looks at, well, I'm imagining it is because there's six novels, uh, and this is only looking at the very first one, as far as I'm aware. Um, so he, he succeeds in his rescue uh, and then ends up sleeping with Makie because it's kind of like James Bond. I don't know. It's like it's, it's a little weird. Um, but this is all, of course, according to plan. Um, spoiler warning. Um, the, the partnership of Taki and Makie uh, was all orchestrated by... Um, I don't know if it's in part or in full by uh, Giuseppe Mayart, 
um, as a means to ensure uh, the peace between the two worlds. Um, there needs to be a union. And up until this point, um, members of the demon race and humans are unable to uh, produce a child together. So what they've done is they've, over the years, uh, so through selective breeding and genetic manipulation, um, ended up with Taki and Makie, uh, who, according to the, the data, um, should be able to conceive a child together. And this whole um, attempted kidnapping and all this shenanigans um, was just to get them together. Uh, and it turns out that the plan hinged on them falling in love, or at least in lust. Uh, that part succeeded, uh, but it wasn't... I mean, it, I guess it's factored into the plan, but it's not something that could be enforced. It just kind of has to happen naturally. So that's, I don't know, that's a lot of effort uh, for something that ultimately just hinged on um, Makie and Taki getting along enough. And that's also why uh, the original, the, the Spider-Woman, um, had been interested in his, um, his DNA. Uh, well, I guess to I'd maybe father another half human, half demon child that would disrupt the peace process? I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess they could theoretically raise the other child um, in a, in a non-productive manner and as an example of why um, humans and demons um, shouldn't get along. Um, it, it didn't really talk about that, so this is just a supposition and I don't know, that actually makes a better story in my head than what we get um, out of this film. Uh, there's a final climactic showdown and uh, Mayard is free to unleash his super demonic electric powers, so it turns out he's not a human after all, he's actually a high-ranking member of the, the Demon Society, so there's that out of left field. Um, although you wouldn't, you wouldn't be remiss in guessing that uh, just based on his, um, his art design. It didn't look, I guess, all the way human, other than being a little wizened old man. Kind of had um, some little bumps on his skull reminiscent of uh, horns or maybe horns that have been uh, snapped off kind of Hellboy, if Hellboy was a little tiny old man. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's by and large the um, animated film. Uh, well, for something that I didn't care a whole lot for, I guess I spent about 30 minutes talking about it, so uh, I'll, I, I tried to be not heavy-handed with what I didn't like. Um, hopefully that's a fair assessment. Uh, despite my biases, I as I mentioned, I enjoyed this, you know, 20 years ago. It was, I'm sure I thought it was fine, but I was also watching, well, uh, appropriately, a Ninja Scroll and um, uh, Urutsuki Doji and all, all kinds of, all kinds of junk. <laughs> that, that I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, Sci-fi wise, um, well, there's multi-dimensional 
uh, beings, um, monsters, just kind of shapeshift. It's sort of body horror-ish. Um, uh, everything kind of has a Blade Runner sort of cyberpunkish vibe that we see realized fully in um, Cyber City 0808. Uh, less so in this one. This is more like a, a, a apocalyptic version. Um, so instead of anti-establishment, um, it's more of a warning. Uh, and this is prior to the the bubble burst um, of the, in Japan uh, for economically. So I think that's where the positive sort of the positivity comes from. But it makes a welcome contrast to what we'll talk about next after a short break. And we're back. Um, one thing I didn't want to forget to <laughs> mention, um, probably the best character in the animated version is um, Taki's good buddy, the, uh, the, the manager of the Blackguard Hotel. Um, I'm pretty sure he has a name in the film, I just I don't recall it offhand. Uh, and he's, he reminds me of the butler, um, Walter from Helsing. Uh, yeah, he was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, he does not make an appearance in the live action film. Uh, there's a lot that doesn't make a, the transition from this animated version to the live action and I'm betting there's probably a lot that didn't happen uh, or I did that didn't do transition from the source material novel um, to the Hong Kong version and that's okay um, as I mentioned that's probably for the best what they ended up doing with the screenplay was interjecting not only economic um, insecurity, but the social uh, insecurity of the pending transfer of Hong Kong back from British control uh, to, to Chinese control. Um, that would occur in um, 1997, so this film was in 1992. Uh, that was very much on the minds of the, the Hong Kong populace, um, by and large, and it's it's not even a, a sub thread in the film. It's like overtly mentioned. Um, what we also get is the the opening uh, of the of the live action film is a it's a fair replica of what happens with um, uh, Taki as he as he meets the Spider Woman in the hotel. I guess he meets her in a bar and they go to the hotel. Um, that is replicated um, roughly scene for scene in the live action film. Um, this movie, I, I unfortunately uh, watched in. This was hard to get a hold of. Um, I, I watched a dubbed version, and as far as I'm been made aware, there are multiple dubs of this film. Um, at least maybe three different versions and that became an issue uh, trying to determine not only some of the plot but a lot of the characters names were not consistent between uh, the dub 
and the IMDb entries uh, or the Wikipedia entries. I'm just I'm gonna end up going with the Wikipedia. The IMDb entry acknowledges that there's at least three different versions. Um, one of those is from the subtitles. I'm guessing um, that the dub itself, uh, as a as far as a few characters were concerned, it was not that it was inconsistent, but it was very difficult to understand the English names they were using. Um, they just didn't read as actual names. I don't. I think it had to do with maybe how they were transliterated from the original script. Um, they also went to the trouble of trying to match the the mouth movements, so the the lip syncing. Uh, what it was called? That's what it's called. Uh, lip syncing. Yeah, the thing. They um, in trying to match that, they're maybe they shoehorned some of the plot a little bit and made some things difficult to understand. I, I watched the film a few times um, to get a better feel for it, um, a sense of the pacing, and to just enjoy it. Uh, it was two or three times more enjoyable than watching <laughs> the animated version. Um, I don't know, I had a, a, had a much better time uh, watching the film. Some of that has to do with the the, the actors um, in it. Uh, we have again um, Taki Renzaburo. Uh, he's portrayed by Leon Lai. Um, it's a fancy-looking young man, and um, this isn't. It's not one of his first roles. He's he's. I think at this ninety-two, he would probably be more known for um, singing. I believe. Um, we also have a appearance um, from Yun Wuking. He portrays the uh, Blackguard boss. Um, and then we have Jackie Chung. And Jackie Chung portrays um, Ken. Yes, it's Ken in the film who doesn't exist in the live action. No, I'm sorry, the animated version. Uh, Ken is I think I think what they did was they took the idea of the friendship between um, Taki and the hotelier, the, the manager, and made that a stronger. Well, there's also a bartender. He's pretty good friends with the bartender in the um, animated version. So I think they smashed together the bartender and. The hotel manager and created Ken, um, but also as a, as a surprise wrinkle um, in this in the story, Ken is a half half breed. That sounds sounds rude. Um, he's half demon, and or they're not demons in this. They're reptoids. Um, in the version I watched, uh, which made everything definitely have a more science fiction feel when you call something a reptoid. Uh, and they ended up using it. These they looked like the um, the visitors from V, but like a little bit more human, I guess. So, sort of reptilian, sort of human. Um, but anyway, his his mother was a reptoid, and his father was a human. 
and he holds that uh, against, I think, his mother. He's he's less enamored with the um, reptoid side of his his um, DNA. Uh, he wants to be human, or at least be acknowledged as human. I don't think uh, he would devalue his reptoid side as much um, if it wasn't seen by his co-workers or maybe humanity at large as a bad thing. Um, it's his, his evil side, and everyone has to worry about him um, betraying them, even though that isn't something that he would do um, if he was trusted. So it's a character flaw, um, but it's also an issue that his work culture has made an issue. Um, it wouldn't be a problem, I think, if people just saw him as uh, another agent. I mean, even just, even just that ex extending that courtesy and doesn't have to necessarily be human, but just like a coworker and not a threat. Um, uh, things toward the end of the film may have turned out a little bit differently. Um, by and large, the plot is the same. However, uh, there's there's not really the um, the looming specter of the the, the peace treaty. Uh, and in the in the place of uh, Giuseppe Maillard, we have Daishu. And here's one of my issues with the the dubbing was they kept they called him Gendai Saw. Like I listened to Xtel over and over Gendai Saw. So Gen as the family name and then Daisaw, I guess, is a compound his first name or his given name. Um because we get Wendy, uh, who is this the live action version of uh, Machie. But she's given uh, the dubbed version of Gen something or other. They just kept butchering that last bit, and I never understood it. So we're just going to go with Wendy, because Wendy is way easier to remember. Um, and that's also, I guess, one of the other... I don't know if that's the official subtitle of it, or one of the other... The, the more well-viewed dub version. Windy it is. So windy like the wind, not, not windy like the food place. So, uh, the, yeah, after the first scene um, with the Spider-Woman, the which takes place in Tokyo, the, the movie immediately shifts to Hong Kong, which is where the rest of the film takes place, and they, spe they specifically go out of their way to mention... Oh, everyone's um, concerned about the um, the looming 1997 um, handover uh, back to China, uh, and that frames um, the uneasiness and the uncertainties, and the the fact that the reptoids have a large controlling interest or share in the I guess the world economy um, I don't know if 
we, we might go as far enough to say that the, the, the film is viewing mainland China as the reptoids. You could probably make a case for that. Um, I think it's, it's probably a fair reading of the, of the material. I'd have to do more research if I was going to really like dig into that. Um, but it's, it's probably a fair, fair assessment. Uh, anyway, the, the film changes its tactics, uh, whereas instead of focusing on the peace treaty, it's focused on the distribution of this a drug. It's called happiness. Um, apparently, the reptoids can take it, I guess, in a certain dosage, uh, and it's, it, it's, I don't know if it's fine, it still can kill them, but humans, it's very bad, um, for, for humans to take it, they become super strong, uh, but also homicidal, um, and then their body, like, overheats, and they go into some sort of I don't even think they go into a coma. I think they're just the one guy that was uh, that we see, the one victim of it, um, is a, a a boxer, and he kills. I think he probably kills. He really hurts his opponent grievously, and then is like shot by the security guards um, at the at the match, and the the black guards end up taking possession of the body because it has to deal with um or they 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 find that it's um. He was addicted to that, that particular drug or using it as a performance-enhancing um, thing. Um, it's, that's, this is where the plot gets a little bit fuzzy. The, uh, the business being run by Daishu. Uh, he, he, he owns a large, like, I think it's a conglomerate. Um, and he has a large economical impact on, um, on Hong Kong and, and may maybe a, a, a larger chunk of the world. Um, and his company is being, uh, it's not really framed, but it's, it's involved in the distribution of happiness into the human world, um without his, without Daishu's knowledge. So it turns out that um, Daishu's son is looking to take over the, um, the company. And in order to do that, he's destabilizing it and pinning the distribution of happiness upon his father to guess get have him lose his controlling share on the board of directors maybe I don't it's super not clear um, unfortunately but uh, we can just look at it as um, uh, Daishu's son Shudo uh, is resting control of the company um, from his father and he's using 
intel from the from a traitor within the Black Guard um, in order to uh, market, I guess, and distribute the um, happiness drug. So it's sort of against what they're against the unity between the uh, raptors and the humans, but even Shudo, who's against that, um, is teaming up with humans in order to realize his dream. So, I guess ideologically from that point, it's a little bit shaky. Um, there's not really a whole lot other, other plot points that it hits. There's a looming energy crisis. Uh, that's that's the threat, like the existential threat, that the world would, or both worlds, um, would benefit from cooperation between the raptors, the reptoids, and humans. Um, the, the 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 reptoids can like regenerate themselves to a degree using um, like electrical power, but it needs to be. Uh, large amounts like at like from a power plant um, or touching generators um, in a power plant or it's we, we get a, a scene of that with between Daishu and um, Windy after they're both uh, injured and they can recover themselves um, through the extreme application of electrical energy aside from having like a little bit of a meandering plot the film has a lot more cool moments, I guess, um, which, is, which endeared me a little bit more to this, um, by and long, well, no, the, the women, I guess, aren't treated a whole lot better in this film either, that better than in the, um, animated version, uh, uh, Wendy in this has more agency, there's actually a backstory, uh, which I've <laughs> neglected to mention between herself and, um, Taki, so, uh, Instead of them being assigned to protect someone or escort Daishu to a you know a peace treaty signing, um, it turns out that they had been by happenstance um, former lovers, uh, and in the current plot or setting, um, Wendy is uh, acting as Daishu's bodyguard. And that puts her at odds with um, Taki, who is assigned by the um, Anti-Raptor Bureau, which is the, the Blackguard in this, um, to... They're sent, he's sent to basically stop Daishu because the, uh, the, the Blackguard are being fed information from the, the traitor. Uh, that Daishu is in fact the one distributing the happiness drug and that's destabilizing uh, it's destabilizing the economy and uh, potentially threatening um, the peace that's just kind of been a thing so Taki and Windy meet again and this is more as um begrudging um, foes for all of like five minutes uh, 
So to 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 artificially restart their relationship, um, we're introduced to another antagonist. I don't th- think she was given a name, or if it was, it wasn't didn't come through in the dub. Probably the the more interesting of the uh, reptoid designs. It's they say in the dub it's just like seven feet tall. She's just pretty tall, like a six foot something um, woman who is also an exotic dancer, um, I think, and an assassin. She does a bunch of jobs too, so maybe the exotic dancer is her day job, and then she's like an assassin for the um, the reptoids. I, it's super not clear, but it definitely is banking off of I think Blade Runner and the the snake uh, replicant. Well, she's not a snake replicant, but she is a replicant that had a snake, um, and was an exotic dancer. So that that's the tie-in to, to Blade Runner um, from this one. Uh, it's, it's not really aesthetically... Well, I guess there's some stuff that... The, the city's very neon, but that's a, a trope that's been a thing since, you know, before 1992. Um, what are the things? Yeah, there's certainly... Like I said, it's just it, it jumps around a little bit. Uh, so the, the dancer... Um, is trying to assassinate uh, Daishu. And this puts uh, Windy back in league, I guess, sort of, with uh, Taki, who's been... He tries to... The whole rest of the film, he's trying to resist um, falling in love with her. Like, he's just obstinate about it uh, because of that, I guess it's racism, uh, between the humans and uh, a half-human, half um, reptoid. Uh, he's really good for He's good friends with his, his partner, Ken, to the point where they, were, they aren't technically supposed to be partners. They were forbidden by the um, uh, chief of the bureau, and they secretly just partner up anyway, even though the, the chief kind of told them not to. Um, so... Taki even tells Ken, the his, his partner, that uh, he's afraid of Ken, afraid of Ken's um, reptoid side, and he, he he's worried that it will take control, and then Ken won't be able to um, help his bestial nature and uh, you know attack humans, um, and that comes into play throughout the film. It's it's character building for uh for ken because he's he's doubting himself his friends are doubting him he uh tries hard to get ahead in his his day job he's, he sells electronics um as well um as uh as being a, an anti-reptoid agent um but he's also he's always facing opposition from the the bureau chief who it turns out was best friends with uh, Ken's father, and through some of the small di- short short moments of dialogue, um, it lets Ken know that he's kept him on um, as an agent in like memory of his father. And the chiefs, it was the chiefs' hope that Ken would 
would be able to um, contribute meaningfully to the organization and uh, prove himself not a threat or prove that his human nature was stronger than the, the reptoid uh, part of him. Um, that doesn't happen um, toward the end of the film. Ken becomes uh, incredibly like enraged and turns into a half-lizard, half-human, like, literally, and attacks the Bureau and then ends up dying in Taki's arms. It's super, like, melodramatic, but, I don't know, it adds to the charm uh, of, of the film. Mm. There's also a scene where uh, Shudo and Daishu have a big showdown with Shudo riding around on a passenger jet and trying to like smash into a, a building or pretending to because I think it's an illusion uh, and then Daishu jumps on another plane or jumps on a real plane it's like a little confusing and then they're just battling each other trying to smash planes in, in, into one another like riding them as if they were like horses it's it's pretty entertaining um oh one other cool thing is Daishu is able to manipulate his shadow so there's a lot of really neat um sort of cg effects where the the shadow will elongate and he can jump into it or put other people into his shadow and then teleport them somewhere else uh Uh, windy as far as her adaptation from her animated counterpart uh they, they both have um laser fingernails or energy fingernails that can like cut through things at, at a distance um her character design otherwise is fairly similar to the um the animated counterpart her hair is longer i guess than the animated one but that's a that's a nitpick versus like a an issue mm. She's a little more self-assured um, in in this live action. I think she's given a little bit more agency simply because she's not just a like a being used as a breeding tool. Um, although that's part of it, it's super weird. Uh, there's not the plot of the the peace treaty, but they kind of discuss the ability to bridge the human and um, reptoid worlds were uh, Taki and Windy to produce a child. Know that that doesn't work very well because Ken is proof that uh, the reptoid and human union while viable isn't viewed as a socially acceptable thing on on part of either of the sides the reptoids view him as weaker because he has a human side that's giving him unnecessary emotions and the humans don't trust the reptoid side that's more destructive um as they see it uh so i think that's why they drop that line um the movie ends on a less than hopeful note with uh, Daishu passing away and leaving Windy to travel back to the, the demon world on her own and 
Taki is just kind of left with his lover gone, his partner's dead. Um, they stopped the uh, distribution of the happiness drug because they they able they they caught the uh, traitor in the bureau's midst. Um, thanks to Ken, so he did provide some uh, benefit to the organization um, in, in unearthing the traitor. Although technically, I guess that was Wendy that found the the traitor first. Um, that's about it. Oh, uh, probably my favorite bit. There's several. There's several different. The reptoids aren't just in the reptilian sort of kind of demonic version. The one assassin girl, um, well, aside from the spider girl, the assassin girl can uh, manipulate like machines um, or because mechanical things. She's sort of has a mechanical magnetism. I mean, like literally, she can control pieces of a clock, like the wall clock, and have it pop off the wall and turn into separate components, and the gears are like sliced through people. Um, she also takes over an elevator and ultimately gets turned into a motorbike in a scene that was not very cool, I guess. It's, I don't know, it, it, uh, Daishu's character was perfectly fine until this particular moment when he just, like, transforms the woman into a motorbike. Uh, that part wasn't very good. I mean, the special effects looked good, but the, the, he, he's just spouting lines saying that she's not a woman and it's only a motorbike, or what he turns her into or something. It's mm, probably the lead, the, the worst um, bit of portrayal in the, in the film, or one of them anyway. It's much, still, that still leagues better than what happens in the, um, the animated version. Mm. Oh, I, the part that I meant to bring up, um, there's the, the other version of the reptoids is the liquid reptoids, just like slugs or strange, like, gel. Um, but the, in the dub, everyone keeps going, oh no, it's the, the liquid reptoids, oh, it's the liquid reptoids, watch out, the liquid reptoids. They're like so scared of it, but uh, um, that's not undue caution because the reptoids make an appearance um, first through uh, the party that Daishu's hosting. They're in the punch bowl. So everyone's already, like, having had um, drank the punch and the reptoids just explode out of them. Like, pretty much eliminating all of his bodyguards and everybody at the party is just killed because they, they had consumed the reptoid that wasn't, it didn't kill it, it just made it come back out so they're sort of like the thing they can exist as smaller parts of themselves um, also the liquid reptoids are able to like encase uh, a vehicle in slime and try to like suffocate the the people inside um, a couple other moments like that I was just really like the part where they're like oh no the liquid reptoids it's um, if I could take a part of the dialogue and you know like a sound clip uh, I would I would put that in. I probably should have done that, but too late now. Huh. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I I don't know. I'm, I was more excited about it maybe than 
than I would be able to convey I, uh, for an hour and a half film. There was just a lot going on, um, more so than the, the, the animated version. I don't know. Um, hopefully this was kind of enough to entice people to at least watch the the live action version. If you have if you have to pick a, v a version of this to to take a look at, um, feel free to skip the animated one. It uh, it just doesn't age well. The the few years in between. 97 or 87 and 92 I think helped uh, the live action uh, and it's a looser adaptation I'm, I'm betting uh, of the source material so that worked in its favor um, I, you know, I mentioned that a little bit earlier but uh, aside from being a little confusing it's certainly uh, it's entertaining and worth um, the hour, hour and a half that it, you know, that it takes to watch it. Um, you can track it down probably on YouTube would be my one guess um, for an easy way to, to access it. Um, otherwise, it's you could pick it up on Amazon, but it's probably not cheap. Um, and it's uh, the, 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 the VHS rips are not the greatest. I think there was a DVD of it you could probably find. Uh, yeah, that's... I think that'll wrap up um, this episode. Um, I wanted... It, I, I was looking... This is disappointing. I was, very, I was looking forward to covering this, um, the, the, the animated version, and it just did not. It's to the point I almost... Like, I had a lot of trouble recording or getting myself to record this, the actual recording, but it was fine. Um, even though I announced like what the the schedule for the season is, if anyone has like a suggestion or um, has watched something more recently than I have and can let me know that maybe it was not the greatest to revisit it, um, I'll appreciate it. On that note, the next episode will be uh, covering Demon City Shinjuku. That I have seen more recently, so that should be fine. And um, I'll also take a look at the novel. Uh, I do have access to that, so that's a, a, a plus without me having to shell out a bunch of money for some out-of-print book. Yeah, that's, that's the end of episode two from season two of Hard Rock Save the Space Dandy. Thanks for tuning in.